I'm a rising sophomore at Stewart. And I'm Olivia Benevento. I'm a rising senior at Princeton High School. And this is our podcast, Keeping Tabs Through the Princeton Public Library. And today we're here to talk to you guys about the history of the young adult genre. So Lily, did you know that the term teenager wasn't even used before the 50s and you were either an adult or a child? That is so weird. And it's really interesting because after that term came about, media started to be created for this new demographic and it was kind of like a culture shock because teens were suddenly had media that was actually made for them. Yeah. So there was like the specific first book, The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. And for our listeners, I don't know how much you've heard about this book, but Lily, do you, have you ever read it? I have read it. I remember, I think it was an assignment for seventh grade and I thought it was pretty good, but it was also made in the, I think the sixties. So I wasn't very captivated by it. Yeah. Um, Well, there was also books that were written for adults, like we all know probably The Catcher in the Rye with good old Holden Caulfield and Big City, Um, but they're now called YA just because uh, they feature specifically teens. So that's kind of interesting too, like how they have books that have become YA and then books that were specifically YA in the first place. Exactly. Yeah, all those classics, like Little Women, The Catcher in the Rye, because they have teens, people are now saying that they're YA books. And in the 70s, YA kind of established itself as its own genre uh, with titles like The Crystal Cave by Mary Stewart, which was published in 1970, The Chocolate War by Robert Cormier in 1974, and Flowers in the Attic by V.C. Andrews in 79. And Flowers in the Attic, I remember someone recommended it to me once and my mother just looked at me and went, no, 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 because I think it's a love story between a brother and a sister. Oh my. (laughs) So that was kind of funny. I was I was looking at the sheet and I was like, wow, wow. Well, and then as YA continued to grow, we have books like the Sweet Valley High series and different books began to come onto the New York Times bestseller list, which was a big deal because before that, teens weren't really given the credit in book genres. So now it was like this thing and everyone was starting to read more and more YA. Exactly. It was it was amazing and it really helps to establish the genre that we have today. It was a great foundation. And horror in the 90s, horror became a YA staple and there were less publications of books in the early 90s, but then towards the later 90s, books that we now regard as classics today, books that I've loved and read like Goosebumps, The Giver, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, and Speak. They were all published in the 90s, which is crazy because I think of them as modern books. And I mean, I guess the 90s wasn't that far away, but I wasn't even born yet. (laughs) Well, neither was I, so. Um, But yeah, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, that makes me think like some of these YA books actually have become movies now that are super popular. And like, I haven't personally seen The Perks of Being a Wallflower, but it comes up in my Netflix feed every time, so I'm like, she probably watch that. Exactly, um, exactly. And then we've got Sarah Dessen, who for me is one of my all-time favorite authors, because her books are just so, just the, the different imagery she uses and the locations, and what I love most about her books is how she ties them all together. For those of you who don't know Sarah Dessen, she writes a lot of contemporary YA, and starting in the 90s, she has lots and lots of books that have come out and there's like teen romance and there's just like these different towns 
But the thing that she does that is so unique is that she will combine the characters from different stories and just interweave them. And it's just sometimes subtle, like this person met this person in one book and then in the next book they like met in a yogurt store again. But it's just, I love her books. I I haven't read any of her books, but that really reminds me of Morgan Matson, and I think she came around a little bit later than Sarah Dessen. But yeah, in a lot of her books, sometimes they take place in the same town, and the characters know of each other, and they run into each other occasionally, and that's always fun because I get to see my favorite characters in a lot of Morgan Matson's books, and it's it's very it's very crafty. I like that. So I actually met Morgan Matson last year when, so with our teen advisory board, we took a trip to BookCon, which is one of the other things that has kind of emerged for teens. Like, I guess Comic-Con has been around for a while and that's has had a somewhat adult audience, but then in recent years, teens, but BookCon is like really geared towards the YA. And I think it's just amazing to see all of these readers come together because in my household, my parents are like readers, but in a sense, I didn't really know anyone else who was reading all these books and liking all the same things and through tab and then just going to BookCon and seeing the enthusiasm of all of the authors and the people there and meeting Morgan Matson. Let me tell you now that was pretty darn cool. I still have that picture with her on my phone, but her books, like you said, were just really fun. I am so jealous of you. For the past couple of years, I've been trying to get to BookCon. I've bought tickets. And then last year, I had a concussion, so my mom didn't think going in a crowded place would be very good, which was definitely true. But then this year, because of COVID-19, it got canceled. And I'm glad it was canceled. I'm glad it didn't happen because I'm sure a lot of people would have gotten sick. But I was I was pretty disappointed. I know. I know. Ugh. Well, it's a shame. But we can, I know Morgan Matson sort of reminds me of some of our other authors we've got in here. Like, she has some pretty cool female characters, which I'm thinking of uh, Mia Thermopolis. I do not know if you're familiar with The Princess Diaries. I but... love The Princess Diaries. Mia Thermopolis and Lily. I don't remember her last name, but Lily, uh, maybe it's just because she has my first name, but she was always my favorite character. I love mm-hmm. her. And I think The Princess Diaries, too, was another one of those books that kind of, like, developed into a bigger series. I'm not sure how many uh, books originally the author wanted to come out with, but there are many, many, many Princess Diaries books, which I actually, two years ago, decided to read. I think there are some crazy number, like 10 or 16 or something. Yeah, there are at least 10. I think I made it through four of them and then she became too boy crazy because she had that one boyfriend and I was thinking where are the other love interests I don't know I'm bored and I want a love triangle so oh and also I think that um this is just a side note but I think the author Meg Cabot I think she wrote a like an adult book for fans of the princess diaries where Mia gets married to yeah to the boy in like in one of the to Michael books. to Michael yeah and that was definitely, yeah. that was definitely interesting I don't think I I heard about it once and I never heard about it again so I don't really think anybody <laughs> liked it but I think that's the one book in the series I never got around to but speaking of love triangles I think as the YA genre became more and more popular you're gonna see like Twilight and The Hunger Games. Those are the two biggest love triangles that I can think of. Exactly. And the thing with Twilight and The Hunger Games is 
Twilight kind of established this format for paranormal romance books, and um, The Hunger Games established this format for dystopian books, and when you saw that really big dystopian and paranormal romance boom in the, I think the early 2000s, it was because um, a lot of these authors were following the same format, and then this, like the series that we see today that we remember to this day, such as The Maze Runner, um, if you're thinking about dystopian books, The Selection, and Divergent, that was another big one, is they put their own twist on that format, but there were a lot of other dystopian books that got published that didn't do anything new with the format that aren't as renowned, and the same with Paranormal Romance. You have the Va Vampire Academy, you have Hush Hush, and The Unbecoming of, Meyer, of Mara Dyer, um, and books like that, it really, that format and twisting that format was a huge thing in the 2000s because the genre, it feels like the genre was just getting going and authors wanted to write teen books, but they also needed somewhere to start because there just weren't enough. And then once the couple of books like The Hunger Games and Twilight were published, authors finally had somewhere to start learning how to write books about teens. Yeah. And I think for me, The Hunger Games really opened my eyes to the empowerment of female characters. And I think Suzanne Collins did a really nice job just like getting everyone affiliated with the idea that this female is super powerful and she has the ability to like manipulate others and stand up for herself. And I think a lot of teens really like re resonated with that idea of like being able to stand up for yourself and stand your ground. And I think that and the love triangle were what made the Hunger Games just so popular. <laughs> Peta is forever. Peta is forever oh, my one true love. He was my first love. He was my first love. <laughs> um, it's true. My boyfriend yeah, is looking is... at me and he has a tear running down his cheek, but he's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, so, oh, the another thing that has kind of developed more recently is that while it used to kind of be paranormal romance and dystopian, now those genres are still pretty prevalent, but the, the genres that are taking the world by storm in the young adult category are high fantasy and contemporary. And contemporary is kind of a weird one because it could be... Contemporary could be a book about mental health. It could be a kind of sci-fi realistic fiction hybrid. It could be a romance book. There's a lot of contemporary is just this overarching like spectrum of books, but it is definitely it's kind of a new genre in the young adult category and a ton of books are being published in the contemporary category. Yeah, I think I don't know if you have a favorite, but recently what I really enjoyed is um I don't know, either the selection series, I think that that is kind of considered contemporary maybe, but I'd have to go with Jenny Hans to All the Boys I Loved Before. Now that Netflix movie, the first one, and just the book were so amazing. That and I love amazing. how she includes recipes in the back of some of her books because Lara Jean is one heck of a baker. She really is. And I also think Lara Jean kind of let it she kind of made it so that it was okay to be a girl who wasn't this badass kick-ass girl like in the hunger games with katniss you could still be a very powerful female lead if you were just an ordinary girl who liked baking and who liked books and who was introverted and i also think what i really love about that series aside from the family dynamics and the beautiful writing style was the fact that she really portrays how to stand up for yourself as a girl in a relationship 
especially in the yeah. second book with Peter when they're having some kind of relationship issues and she kind of brushes it off to the side but then at the very end she has to have this big long talk with him and tell him this isn't okay I don't like that and that just shows that relationships aren't as black and white they're not as straightforward as they may seem it's not just you break up or you stay together it's a lot of hard conversations and things like that yeah. so I think that was one of the first books I read where I thought wow this is an accurate relationship especially I'm just gonna go off on a tangent especially because um it's not exactly the first book is about how they get into a relationship and then the second book follows their relationship and I think that's important because in a lot of young adult romance books we see the chase but we don't see how they become a healthy couple and so that's I that book was revolutionary in my opinion yeah and I think I think it's really important like you said that they showed the whole progression of the relationship because I think sometimes in books they can kind of gloss over and it's like oh yeah we've been together now for a while and they don't really go such into this like deep relationship things and they may seem surface level but just the little conversations that Lara Jean and Peter have they really do like go to show how their relationship might not have been strong at certain points but like I think that they're really important conversations to have and I think Jenny Han just does a great job of telling like showing us all how it's okay to be struggling in a relationship sometimes but she shows how Lara Jean like can overcome that and I think that's something that a lot of authors could learn from and like use in their books exactly I definitely think oh and also another thing I was going to bring up with to all the boys was that it featured a Korean American character and I feel that there wasn't a lot of representation especially in the early 2000s or at least the books that had good representation weren't the ones that became popular so when the to all the boys I've loved before became super popular it it just kind of opened up the world to adding Asian representation especially own voices representation in in your books and that's another thing I also want to bring up is that there have be, there's become this really big boom in diverse books and there's been this whole we need diverse books movement and I love seeing how diverse the genre has become because I feel like they were almost silencing other authors' voices because the books that would become popular were the books with the straight white characters. And now we have books that are about black, gay characters just going about their daily lives. But we also have books like The Hate You Give that talk about activism and talk about police brutality. And I think that they make teens who've gone through terrible racist experiences feel heard, and they can also educate white readers about things maybe they didn't know about before. And that's not yeah. their purpose. It's not to educate white people, but I think that it does just because it's there. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. I think, like, just books have come out recently, and they're really kind of introducing us to like different diverse topics and for me like I hadn't really read a lot of diverse books and diverse authors and I think that's something that over the years has become more important to me like I when you read from one book and one perspective and one author um I think it can just kind of get you in this like set mindset and like you're hearing the single story and like you're not really exposing yourself to the millions and millions of other stories that are out there so I think like the hate you give especially which I'm actually in the middle of reading now has really just kind of opened my eyes to what it is like to live as a black teen and 
I think that's really important and that everyone can benefit from reading a book that's not about someone like them. So even if a book might not be relatable in terms of who you identify as, it still gives you like a life lesson and teaches you just what it's like for other people around you and how they live their lives. Exactly. I think that also ties into the fact books are an escape and they give you a lens into somebody else's world. And I think that it's all the more important when it's somebody who's so drastically different from you, who's had to go through so many terrible experiences, because then it can help us understand how our friends are feeling, how who are maybe a different race, maybe a different gender, maybe a different sexual orientation. We can understand the types of things they've gone through more without having to pry and ask them about their experiences, because that's definitely not our place but I think it can help us to understand other people more definitely I think really what I'm trying to say here too is just they tie us together they bring us it's a book but it's not it's like it just helps you form these relationships with people and understand people more and I think that's what YA is all about and yeah exactly and um just a couple of other genres underneath the contemporary category that are super prevalent today that I want to talk about are books about mental health such as Challenger Deep which I think might have been a national book award finalist it definitely has an award on the cover so that's that's all I know but it won an award and I love that book personally and romance books like To All the Boys I've Loved Before and thrillers like Sadie which is one of my favorite books of all time and so I just had to name drop it but and also high fantasy books are garnering a lot of attraction like Six of Crows, A Court of Thorns and Roses and Children of Blood and Bone and then uh, the activist books as well like The Hate You Give and Stamped and yeah those are some important genres. So many. Well we would like to give you guys a few specific recommendations for the end of each of our episodes. So since today's topic was YA, we're going to give you just some really great YA reads. So Lily, do you want to start us off? Sure. The first one that I would like to talk about is one of my favorite books, and that is One of Us is Lying by Karen M. McManus, because While it is kind of formulaic and the characters aren't as fleshed out as I would love them to be, once that book got published, it you saw so many more mystery thriller books being published and they, those ones are more complex, those ones have more nuance, but I recognize One of Us is Lying for what it did for the young adult genre and it's also such a fun read. It's about these five kids who were all in detention and then one of them drops dead and the other four are suspects for his murder because they were all in the same room and they were the only ones who could have killed him and they also had a motive to kill him and it's called one of us is lying so it's told from all of their perspectives but you're wondering "Mm, maybe one of them is lying and every time i read a new book by karen m mcmanus i just see the different ways she's learning and writing so all of her books i highly recommend them they're very entertaining all right well um we already briefly mentioned this book but i think you cannot have a ya must read without including the catcher in the rye on here because i read it earlier in the year and i'll be honest at first it was like what is this i am not a fan because holden caulfield who is the main character, loves to complain about his life. And I was like, why am I reading a book about a guy who just doesn't like his life right now? And then I realized it was just a lot more than that. And he dealt with a lot of issues that are resonating with me today and other people around me. Like he, I think, was really just struggling to find his 
place in the world. And he has, even though the book, which is really interesting, it takes place over, I believe, three days. Um, and it's like Holden is going on this adventure in New York. And there's a lot of like motifs or just symbolic um, representation that really stuck with me, like uh, the carousel horse in the front and other uh, images in there. And so I think The Catcher in the Rye just kind of like revolutionized YA and it's a different style of writing. And like even reading about the author, J.D. Salinger, was also really interesting. So I think if you're interested in a book that like started it all, then definitely check out The Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, I've never read that one. I feel kind of ashamed, but I'll definitely get to that one soon. <laughs> the next book that I want to talk about is Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. And that book was the first book that I ever read, or at least one of the first books, that featured a gay main character. And there's the movie Love, Simon. And if you haven't heard of what it's about, it's about a boy who is a closeted gay teen and he starts receiving these messages from this other boy named Blue, and he falls in love with him, and he's trying to figure out who he is while also being blackmailed about his sexuality by one of his terrible classmates. And I think this book is definitely flawed, but again, I recognize what it did for the genre, because it is written by a straight woman who sometimes I think books that are written by straight women that feature gay characters can almost fetishize gay characters and I don't I don't think that's what happened here but I also think that I wish this book had been written by someone who could truly feel what the other characters had felt but I do think this book was important it was well written and I enjoyed it but I definitely want to be on the lookout for more books that were written by own voices, gay people such as Adam Silvera, his books are amazing, and Sean David Hutchinson, his books, every time I read one of his books, I cry. So those are other authors to check out if you want more own, vo own voices representation. All right, thank you. Well, the next book, which we also might have previously mentioned, of course, is The Hunger Games. And oh my gosh, this book for me was amazing. And I think it really showed me how to be more active in my own life because Katniss Everdeen, who is the main character, is in, um, I forget if it's like post, in the future, the past, I think it's in the future. But anyway, it's like... Things have gone amok in the world, and it's crazy, and there are these 12 districts, and Katniss is in a pretty poor district, so every year, someone, two people, a male and a female from each district, are called to represent the district in the Hunger Games, where, which this is pretty gory, um, teens pretty much run around killing each other and at first <laughs> I remember hearing this book about this book when I was in second grade and I was like what in the world is this and what is going on and then I don't think I read it for a long time after that but um it was really really interesting because just like to think that this book which was about teens killing each other took off and changed the way we view female characters was really crazy to think about at first but um over time i have come to love it and i think if you're looking for a love triangle and some action and just some crazy futuristic stuff then definitely check it out yeah i adore that book i i remember i would sit down and i would look up and four hours had passed and i was like what happened and then i realized i was reading the hunger games all day 
<laughs> my last recommendation is one that I already spoke a little bit about, and that's The Hate You Give. This book follows Star Carter, who is a black teen, and she lives in a poor neighborhood, but she attends a very rich school that is predominantly white. And she is in the car when one of her best friends, Khalil, gets shot and killed by a police officer. And she was the only witness to his death, so she feels that she's the only one who can speak out about what really happened because she obviously is the only witness. And this book deals with police brutality and how frustrating it is when your voice isn't heard and how to gain the courage to speak out and scream even if nobody is listening to you and it also deals with um, how to kind of navigate a world full of ignorant people who don't understand you and how to understand when it's time to educate someone and when it's time to let someone go. There was a storyline, and this isn't really a spoiler, with Star and one of her friends where her friends, her friend was being very ignorant and very rude and very racist, and Star had to realize that that friend just was not, just was not a good person and was racist, and so she had to let her go. And that was a yeah. very powerful read. Yeah, well, I'm in the middle of reading right now, and I am really enjoying getting the perspective of Star. So, um, and the last book that we have for you guys today, uh, we couldn't really give you guys a list of must read YAs without including the Harry Potter series, which I mean, it is kind of middle grade, but when you get into the final books, it becomes a YA. And for those of you who don't know Harry Potter, definitely go check it out because it is just one of the most well-known books now, but Harry Potter is, it starts off when he's 11 years old and he is called to the magical school of Hogwarts because he is a wizard. And as an orphan boy, he is living with his aunt and uncle and has no idea he's a wizard. So his journeys of becoming a wizard and making friends and just getting to know magic are really gonna use the word magical here because that's what it was for me um so yeah so definitely if you're interested in kind of like a maybe a bit younger book in the beginning but then an older book in the end definitely check out harry potter definitely and harry potter was written by daniel radcliffe actually so we just will completely forget um the original author daniel radcliffe did write harry potter and that's the only thing that i'm willing to accept so <laughs> okay so yeah, we don't support trans exclusionary radical feminists in this on this podcast in this household. So <laughs> Okay. Well guys, that is all for today and we hope you enjoyed learning about the history of YA. Yeah, it was definitely very fun to talk about. I learned a whole bunch. So yeah, guys. Bye. <laughs>